Welcome everybody to a weekend edition of the Legendarium. I'm Craig over there. Kyle. Kyle. What's up? Just the two of us today. Just the two of us. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Building castles in the sky, baby. Clearly, this is a more relaxed episode than our regular weekly one. If you're new to these weekend episodes, then yeah, that this is how relaxed they are. I'm uh, getting wasted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm looking forward to this. This is uh, another edition of the Fantasy Wheel, which sounds filthy, filthy dirty. <laughs> uh, but the, frankly, I don't know what else to call it because... I was wondering what those like fur handcuffs were. Right. Well, yeah. Each uh, each number on the wheel has a different uh, Seven. accoutrement. Uh, to yeah. Okay. Anyway, so what we're doing today again? This is the fantasy wheel. We did this last week with Megan. Uh, Megan and I went through and just picked several random topics. We put them all on a wheel and uh, spun the wheel to see what we would talk about. Now, last week we had a timer so that we could only speak for I think it was seven or eight minutes on each subject. Today we are jettisoning the timer uh, because, well, frankly, everybody seemed to hate it. So <laughs> we're going to try it without. And if we end up going for three hours, then I don't care what you all say. We're bringing it back. It's going to be a seven-minute episode. <laughs> exactly. Seven minutes in heaven. <laughs> Something like that. All right, Kyle, uh, go through. Let's just talk about what we potentially will be okay. discussing on today's episode. Do you want am I am I name dropping? No, no, we won't or... name drop yet. Just give the give the okay. topics. Let's let's kind of scoot through this. Okay. Separating art from artist. Uh will Kyle ever finish Elantris? That's going to be a very <laughs> short discussion. <laughs> Favorite jobs? Steve. Uh no. Get out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I I said that cuz I knew that you would be upset. Uh Wheel of Time. Filming begins in Prague. The death of the author. When Which you, I kind of hope we land on. Okay, we, go. We on. can totally do that. Uh, when you aren't reading sci-fi fantasy, what do you read? History, biographies, romance, comedy, mystery, thriller. Uh, the difference between audiobook listening and book reading. Uh. Or the last one. Maybe how to push your borders. And find material outside your cultural norms. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Well, I. it was on there. I just copied and pasted. So, I, look, I'm a slave. I'm a slave to our listeners' whims. It's fine. That's all I can but do. Is that one's that on a maybe. This. It's maybe. <laughs> so, basically, that one's like the Joker, right? This is the wild card. Right. Maybe you talk about this. Maybe you just talk about whatever you want. Maybe. If you We're pushing on. borders. So, <laughs> didn't say which borders. All right, so should we just get started, or is there anything? We don't have any housekeeping or anything, right? Patreon, yeah. uh, Reddit, Discord, all those things. If you have any questions, DM me on Twitter, or Facebook, whatever. We're all over the place. You can find us. So Definitely follow the Instagram, because Craig does the uh, fantasy trivia on there sometimes. Are you liking that? I do like it a lot. Yeah. I like the uh, no Google guess every single time, you know, reminder, hey, jerks, don't yep. use Google. But uh, it's fun. I stole this concept from a mutual friend of ours mm -hmm. who does the daily trivia, but she has she has one of those daily calendar things. You, you right. tear the page off the daily calendar, and it's a trivia question, and mm -hmm. she just Instagrams those every day. Nice. Uh, and so it's a great concept, and that's where I stole the no Google guest thing from. Uh, but 
she i, I kind of think of it as cheating because she doesn't have to think of any questions i have to think of a new question every time i want to do it so. you need to get yourself a calendar Ooh, maybe you should make a legendarium trivia calendar oh can you imagine the, and then can you imagine the ones of copies of those that we would sell? think about it there would be <laughs> at least one <laughs> i would buy it somebody would buy it yeah but okay not well, me all right, let's get started for today. Kyle, you are our wheel spinner today. All right, let's so, do it. L- let's see what you get. You you can spin better than that. I don't want it. Okay, okay, there we go. There that we was go. a real spin. And number two, number question two. number two. And so who, <laughs> who asked? Oh, this was my question. This is Craig's question. Will Kyle ever finish Elantris? <laughs> like I said, this is going to be a real short discussion because it's either going to be yes or it's going to be no. Uh, is uh, no. Kyle ever going to finish? Elantris? Yes, yes, I am. Actually, I so I got a new phone, and when I went to you know copy all my old stuff to my phone and whatever whatever they do at the Apple Store to do all that, it didn't did copy they, over did, my. How many goats did they have to sacrifice for your several? Phone? I mean, mine was awful. You saw <laughs> you saw the state of my phone. <laughs> shattered i literally had probably like a three inch shard of glass that fell out of it it was i thought i think it was lodged in your brain at one point from holding that up to your ear definitely was uh so when i got my new phone i had elantris the audiobook on my phone and it disappeared from my phone i don't know where it is so i actually went to listen to it the other day um while i was out working in the yard and i was like oh yeah i'm gonna get back into this and then the playlist is there that i have everything on there uh Mm -hmm. by chapters and it's empty. Huh. And I was like, the hell? Oh, just because it wasn't downloaded Yeah, it, just, again it hadn't downloaded over. And so right. now I've just got to go, you know, actually do something and download it back on my phone. So, but I am so planning on finishing. Yes. Follow-up question. When, when will Kyle finish Elantris? I will. You know what? Let's do one of those, like, corporate, like... Like, will you commit? Will you commit kind yeah, of things. Yeah. I like it. I will listen... Well, no, you're picking me up tomorrow to go to work. I was going to say, I will listen to Landris on the way into work tomorrow. But you know what I will do? I will go home tonight, and I will make sure it's on my phone. Okay. And then I will show you at work tomorrow that I've put Landris back on my phone. Uh, That is good. And then I have no excuses. There's a pictures channel in our Discord server, and I'm going to snap a photo of that and share it. Let's do it. So that Well, no, tomorrow's Thursday, so I'll do that on Friday when this episode actually airs. Done. And uh, I mean, I mean, this is live. I mean, we just. Oh, yeah, this is totally. Uh, yeah, you're listening yep, to that, us that thing in, that happened this morning on Friday. That was really tragic. I did mean, you, did I mean, you see what Trump tweeted? Oh, my uh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> no, I will. I will have it on my phone tomorrow. You can check it and then I will have zero excuses and I'll start doing it on my commute. Let's right on. what's what's today? Wednesday. Uh, oh, Wednesday. What? The 25th. 25th so friday this will air on the 27th let's say i'm gonna have elantris done no later than october 15th 15th oh wow you're giving yourself quite a window okay yes i need i need i mean come on it's me i'm fine (laughs) with it that's that's uh 20 days so for you to finish i'm in part two so plenty of time so in that time I am going to finish I'm several books, I guess they call them, or chapters, really, into uh, The Odyssey. I'm reading that for our discussion with Brent Weeks coming up here in a couple weeks. Uh, there you go. And uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm reading that, and I will also have finished books 
three, four, and five in the Lightbringer series by the time you finish Elantris. All right. Not this now. I'm not bragging or saying that I'm so awesome because I really would prefer not to do it this way. Right. But with Lightbringer five coming out and everything happening in October, October is right. going to be a crazy month for us uh, here on the show. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, like that's basically my number one priority from now through October is just reading, reading, reading. So here's my question: Should I throw out the video? Should I continue the videos as I was doing before, or should we just do like a Maybe a solid wrap-up episode. You and me sit down. Maybe any of the other panelists that want to do it, like an extra Atlantis yeah, episode. Yeah. I'm cool to do it either way. I I said, What's, why not both? Why not both? Can't yeah. we, can't we do both? Yeah, can't we do both? I think the the videos, especially if we get them a little bit shorter than you had been doing, right. you're doing like 20 minute episodes, or just do I, f- more chapters. Yeah, per video. I think I think that was probably the key too. Is I I maybe bit off a little more than I can chew with the whole video thing, like right. the time and amount of it and mostly that's from wanting to produce meaningful content for the viewers and the listeners no that doesn't matter but yeah no they don't care yeah nobody cares (laughs) lol nothing matters the world is gonna end cool we're all just dead anyway we are Content, like that. Yeah, content doesn't have to be good. Welcome to the Legendarium, everybody. Doesn't have to be good. Just has to exist. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. So you'll do that. Should we spin the wheel again? Yeah. Are we good? Yeah. We good on the Lantris? All right. That was, that was an okay spin, but you're going to have to do it again because it landed on the two again. There you go. Spinning like a... Number six. Six. Okay. So who asked this one? Uh, Rowan Kenobi. Okay. Is that how you say it? Uh, Rowan Kenobi? I don't know. Yeah, I guess Rowan. so. When you aren't reading sci-fi fantasy, what do you read? Uh, History, biographies, romance, comedy, mystery, thriller. You said mystery like three times. Mystery. Okay. <laughs> so History. Oh, history. That's what it was. Okay, what do you read? Uh, Well, articles for work. <laughs> <laughs> Content marketing garbage. Uh, now, what I like to read most, if I'm not reading sci-fi fantasy, is I actually am really big into Russian literature. This, this is one of the most interesting things about you. Yeah, I love uh, Dostoevsky and Karamazov. Brothers that, Karamazov. I love reading but you Kafka. Like, but you like actually like them. Yeah. This isn't. I like. I like. No, being this isn't like sophisticated. No, screw that. Have you listened to me talk? I'm not sophisticated at all. No, you want the <laughs> national anthem to be the Top Gun anthem. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Which, by the way, I, I share that sentiment. Which shouldn't it be? But no, I like lis- I like reading that. Um, I actually like reading Byron. Okay. Um, it I, was a huge wank. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Have you met me? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and probably that's... What, okay, what off of your non-science fiction, science fiction fantasy bookshelf, what would you most recommend to somebody because i imagine you know when we talk about sci-fi fantasy you know you talk about your brent weeks or sanderson or something it's really hard to tell somebody hey you should pick up the stormlight archive if they're not a huge fantasy fan right because it's just massive and it's a huge investment etc etc we've talked about this a lot uh i imagine it's kind of a similar feeling if you're like oh you know what you should just pick up and read even though you haven't read any other classics before <laughs> war and peace yeah great one it's a read great it. one. just read, read the it. read the brothers karamazov it's great you're gonna <laughs> nope. love it like i imagine that would be a bad idea right okay so what 
now there are the books that many people had to read in high school right you know so catcher in the rye or or uh to kill a mockingbird and yeah, all those fahrenheit ones. 451 um leaving some of those like really obvious high school choices aside what is your preferred entry point what would you say for like classic literature um i really dig robinson crusoe I want to say Treasure Treasure Island is actually one of my favorite books of all time, but I feel like that kind of falls into the like fantasy adventure sure, realm. Sure. It's, it's it's not you fantasy feel like it's or a sci-fi, bit, but it's a little bit less serious it's than very, something like Dostoevsky. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's still it's it's very close to that, and so that like there's a lot of the same elements yeah. that you get in a sci-fi or a fantasy story when you read that. So I'll I'll kind of put that one aside. I actually really like Robinson Crusoe. Um, Probably White Fang. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's a little bit out more, of left field. That's a little bit more uh I don't know. We I I had to read it in, in junior high or high school, so it was kind of one of those high school. Were you do you cop consider outs, White Fang classic literature? Jack London, yeah, man. Okay. All right. Hey, now I'm I'm not I'm questioning you. I'm not uh yeah. I'm not telling you you're wrong. Yeah. I mean, I like it. Okay. So it's a good it's a good one. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, along those lines, okay, so I have a couple of genres that I like to read outside of sci-fi fantasy. Now, I do wonder whether some of the things I like to read are still within sci-fi fantasy because right. one of the things I, I like, like over here on the shelf, um, I've suggested Tolkien biographies before. I love mm-hmm. his biographies. I like bi- biographies in general, but I love those Tolkien ones and uh, read the new every new one that comes out and, mm-hmm. and revisit the old ones occasionally. Uh, so Tolkien and the Great War is one of my favorites. Hum- Humphrey Carpenter's is one of my favorites. But those I'm not sure those count because they're Tolkien biographies, right? right? Um, anyway, I do like some historical stuff. So David McCullough's books, mm-hmm. 1776, John Adams, those were really good. Um, and I've got those sitting over there. But along your lines, I also enjoy some classic literature not not to the level you do i mm-hmm. russian stuff escapes me a little bit but <laughs> french stuff okay um now you know long time listeners will know that i speak french i lived in france and so mm-hmm. I, you know there's an obvious connection there uh but one thing that i would suggest is if you can find an edition of a book like uh three musketeers or um uh uh, what was that? What's that terrible musical that I hate so much? Les Mis. Les, Les Mis. Yeah, Les Mis are up. If you can find one of those, or even outside the French realm, get Moby Dick or something yeah. like that. But you find an edition with some good footnotes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kind of an annotated edition of some of those things. Uh, that's something that I can't recommend highly enough. If you right. find a really good one, because uh, partly because it just it's going to give you a lot more context and and you'll actually learn something in addition to feeling like, oh, okay, I checked off this classic book. Right. So like Three Musketeers is one of my favorite examples. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, I'm sure I've mentioned this on the show before, but one of my favorite things about the Three Musketeers, the original version, is that Victor Hugo, he, he used to write with a quill pen mm-hmm. and he wrote so fast. He wrote faster with a quill pen than most people can type today. You know, right. Just like on a, per, a word per week basis. He flew and he wrote, what was it, like 20,000 words a week or something Mm -hmm. like that. And uh, he wrote so fast during the Three Musketeers that he 
rode up to a certain point, went to bed that night and woke up the next morning and started writing again and forgot that he had given his hero, D'Artagnan, the goal he'd been searching for. So D'Artagnan wants to become a musketeer. And so it's like in the middle of the book, D'Artagnan becomes a musketeer. And then Victor Hugo goes to bed, wakes up the next day and forgets that he had made D'Artagnan a musketeer and just kept writing. He's a double musketeer. <laughs> so, double barrel musket. Yeah. So he, uh, um, and so you get those little tidbits. I, I, I have this edition. This one's in French, but you can get stuff like this in English too, where it's unabridged. And so it's the original version of it. And they explain, here's what happened. And this is why it happened. And so I, that's how I know that little tidbit about Victor Hugo. Uh, or you learn yep. a few little things about what it meant to live in France in the mm-hmm. 16th century or 17th century. On that note, I love uh, the Count of Monte Cristo is probably yep. one of the top yep. there. Like as you were speaking about one of that, my like, one of my favorite books. So of all time. great, so great. Yep. Um, another one, another like I'll throw this out. Two things I'll throw out there. One, T. S. Eliot. Read T. S. Eliot. Yep. Dude is incredible i i don't get t.s Eliot. nobody gets t.s Eliot. <laughs> but, but I, if you but can like find him. if you can find uh if you can find a, an edition where you've got all the footnotes that explain and if you start digging into the foot lo- footnotes of like what are the the things that he's referencing in every line there's a lot of uh history there's a lot of even just uh i'd almost want to call it like pop culture type things but of his time like just references of things that are happening or He's referencing other literature, and if you start to put all those things and compile all those things together, um, and I have to have somebody walk me through it. Right. knows way more about it than I do, but you read through those footnotes and you see, like, dude was a freaking genius. And then, it, and then it starts. You start to peel back what the actual poem right. or story is, and it's like, holy crap. Well, that's yeah, and that's kind of what I'm arguing for with the footnotes on these other things is yeah you you get the story itself so three musketeers you get the three musketeers and it's mm-hmm. a fun story uh and all the things that come along with that but in the case let's let's go back to t.s Eliot here if you're reading that with all the footnotes and it says look here's the reference that he's making to this other mm-hmm. author this other book or this other poem whatever uh that can should maybe spark uh, an interest in you to go and look that up mm-hmm. and say, oh yeah, I wonder what that was all about. This is actually part of uh, the way that I read Tolkien and have done since I was a teenager where mm-hmm. it's like, you know, where did, where did this come from? You know, right. It's clear that this is the, that this is influenced by something. And so you start looking up, oh, what is this Kalevala in, Finland and you look it up and you're like oh my gosh there's this whole national mythos and there's all these stories and so you read through that and then you're like oh what's the prose Edda what's the elder Edda and you you read all these things from Iceland and Norway and right um an old English text and oh he was apparently a big Beowulf guy I'm gonna read that and so by studying this one thing and T.S. Eliot would very much fit in that mold mm-hmm. by really getting into it. It expands your horizons beyond, way beyond just T.S. Eliot. It's, it's like the, uh, the really old school version of going down the YouTube rabbit hole. Yes, there <laughs> you go. Where it's like, oh, I'm digging into this. And then you spark <laughs> this interest and you, you start to learn about something completely unrelated or at least seemingly unrelated to what your original intent was. And, yeah. and that's yeah. that's something that I love about reading T.S. Eliot. Um is that it really expands 
your exposure to different literature and and ideas and it's pretty fun right the one the one other thing i want to throw out uh that came to mind is when you're talking about you know you speak french and and that's why you have an interest in a lot of right. of that literature one of the one of the books that i used to teach my middle school class which was i, I used to teach oh 6th through 8th grade English at a dual is, immersion school that, is brutal. that was dual immersion for English and Spanish. So 50% of the days in English, 50% of the days in Spanish. And we read, we, uh, read the book La Línea, um, which I've never which, heard of, which is basically the, the border or like okay. it means the line or like the border. Sure. Um, and it's about a young kid who's probably, I don't, I think he's like 14 or 15 or so. And he gets a letter from his mom and dad who are in California and he lives in Mexico with his grandparents. Okay. And he gets the letter that, you know, it's time for him to cross La Línea and come up to California and work with the family. Well, it's him and his younger sister that still live with their grandparents in Mexico. And so he starts to go and his younger sister follows him. Not, not And he doesn't know it. He doesn't know it at first, but then they have to journey together okay. from Mexico to California. And it was a really cool, uh, it's a really cool story. So if yeah. you're looking for it's it's probably like 200 pages long, but if you're looking for something, uh, pretty fun and and uh, is it translated? Inspiring. Yeah, it's in English. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. You know, and, and this is something that I I don't know if we'll land on. Uh, did we have something about expanding our horizons, or that's not in this batch? Push your borders, uh, push, or something like that. Yeah, expand your horizons with what you read. I mean, that's really what this comes down to is. Reading isn't, you know, science fiction and fantasy, those are our preferred genres. Uh, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. In fact, I think there's a lot right with that. Um, but it's not the only thing out there. Mm-hmm. And reading something like La Línea or mm-hmm. The Three Musketeers or whatever, it's going to expand your horizons in a different way. Right. Uh, but one that can be just as valuable, especially if it's not something that you normally do. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So, oh, I guess I should also mention because I know I've I've said this on a few of our live videos on YouTube, and so I know some people will uh, call me out if I don't mention it. I also read a lot of political books, but that's not as fun. So, uh, polit- political history and political theory are my two favorites. So, nerd alert! Nerd alert! That's fine. It's cool. Uh, should we spin again? Yeah, we can okay, spin again. Let's spin again. Here we go. And it's spin. That was a terrible spin. Once again, you spun it just enough to get one. That's the same number. No, it's All not. Right. Seven. Seven. Uh, this is from Kipton. Kipton. The differences between audiobook listening and audio or er, and book reading. And book reading. So reading reading versus, versus listening. listening to a story. Can we add another distinction in the into this one? Sure. Uh, I want to do audiobook listening versus electronic reading versus physical dead tree listening versus or reading sorry. graphic audio graphic <laughs> which uh, is a thing it is a thing uh, it's like movie sounds graphic audio is like full cast sound effects mm-hmm. and it's not my preferred method it, of listening but i get i understand its appeal and i don't judge yep. anybody who loves I, it. anytime somebody talks to me about graphic audio in fact i just had a buddy um one of my best friends growing up he was telling me hey i just read stormlight but I read it or I listened to it via graphic, graphic audio. audio, graphic audio. And uh, he loved it, loved it, loved it. And 
anytime I think about graphic audio, I always think about like those old 1950s or 1940s like radios. The radio plays. That, yeah, and they would listen to like Lone Ranger yes. and stuff like that. And I'm like, <laughs> that's what comes to mind when I think graphic. Specifically for me, I'm thinking a Christmas story when they're yeah, like, don't forget to, to drink your Ovaltine. Exactly. Yeah. So, and it, I don't know, I don't know why that matters, but that was in my brain. <laughs> And now it's on the airwaves. There you go. Okay, so so listening versus reading. Uh, do you have any initial thoughts on this? What do you yeah. prefer? I mean, you just mentioned you're going to listen to Elantris. Right. Is that your preferred I, method? No, I prefer reading it uh, and reading it, you know, on page in having the book in my hand. Yeah. Reading it, you know, wherever I'm at. Um, I like to one of the things. One of the things that I really enjoy about reading is seeing how they decided to construct the story like put the sentences together word choices i think that there is a ton of value to seeing something on the page um that's how you learn to be a good speller that's how you learn to know how to actually put words together um but i was actually pretty anti-audiobooks for a long time um i could and I still sometimes it depends on who the narrator is, who I, is voicing. I can't it. believe you're listening to Elantris. That's right. got to be contributing it's, to. It's rough. Yeah, that's got to uh, be contributing to your but, speed. There. But there is also the practicality and reality of if I don't listen to it on my commute, then I don't read it at all. Uh, you know, I got a six year old <laughs> right. and a two year old, and I don't have a whole lot of reading time uh, to just sit down and read like I used to. And so audiobooks are kind of the way to to still get those stories. And then you've got you've got fantastic narrators like Michael Kramer, Kate Redding. Um, I really like right. the guy that did the Name of the Wind. I really liked his narration. Uh, Nick Podell. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got some that are just really tough. Uh, <laughs> like whoever did Elantris. Whoever did Elantris. Which, and I, I I hope I'm sure he's listening, and I hope he doesn't take it personally. Just. Just not my style. Not, not the right fit for that book. Not my style. Uh-huh. Um, I, so, boringly, incredibly boringly, I think we're pretty much on the same page here. Yeah. Uh, so to speak. <laughs> uh-huh. Ooh. Um, I am with you on the practicality. In fact, when you leave tonight, I've, I'll have a few things to go over on the computer, and I will be listening to the Odyssey while I do that. Uh, which is a lot of fun, actually. So oh, I'm reading the Robert Fag- is it Robert Fagel's translation, and uh, so I've got the paperback right here behind me, and I've also got the audiobook. But the audiobook is narrated by Ian McKellen. Oh, fun! And he's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I started it with the paperback, right? And so I I gave myself a few chapters to see what how, if I liked the translation. Mm-hmm. And it turns out it's amazing. Right. It's the most readable ancient text I've ever <laughs> come across. All right. Uh, and but anyway, so I read that for a few chapters and then I switched over to the Ian McKellen version. And it's if you get a good narrator, in this case, a really good actor to bring it to life, it really does. It can make a difference. Yeah, for sure. it really does add something else. It It takes something away in that you are no longer filling in mm-hmm. those imaginative gaps yourself. Right. Uh, but it does add something in the idea of, you know, you, you get somebody else's flavor and mm-hmm. that can be really nice, really yeah. rewarding. Yeah. I, uh, I've noticed if I am having a hard time 
getting into a book. It's easier for me to get into it when I read it on page. Um, at least for the, like, I have to read at least the first chapter on page most of the time, but then I can transition into the audiobook and be okay. But I've also had the opposite effect where like, man, I, my eyes are bleeding as I'm trying to read through this thing <laughs> and then I'll flip it on. And like you said, if you have a good narrator, just the way, like, it, I don't know if it's the excitement that they have or just the way that they, they read the story something can connect and it's like okay now i'm interested so i actually whenever i do it i actually like to have kind of a back and forth where yeah. i actually have the physical copy i'll listen to it and then i'll go home and read a chapter and mm -hmm. then you know i kind of back and forth it but yeah it it i think for me i'm a very slow methodical reader yep and i actually retain so much more when i read it for myself um which amplifies the enjoyment for me because then I can talk to people about it more. Sure. Because I'll tune out if I'm just listening sometimes yeah. and yeah, then it's yeah. like, oh, oh, that's really cool. Wait, what happened? I can't remember, you know. So. so let's talk about the paper versus electronic version of reading. Okay, we've talked right. about audiobooks a little bit, but what are your feelings about, say, the Kindle editions versus having the actual paperback now you already said that you prefer having paper in your hand why is that uh when it comes to like a kindle edition um i don't know i'm a i am a believer that books should be used and well worn so i'm a page bender yeah. i'm a note taker i'll uh, underline is where we this is where we finally differ right and uh, i i know that you can do notes and all that in your digital versions and yeah. in fact probably more organized and whatever but i i think it's the the actual like tactile feeling of having something in your hands turning the page the fact that i don't have to stare at a screen there's the whole like dimming technology and stuff like that yeah. but i i like that i can just have a book if i have no batteries if right. i have you know I, I can be out in the middle of the wilderness and, and read, a read a book no so, i, I that makes sense and of course somebody is screaming into their into their car stereo right now kindle paper white you know yeah. when you said screen dimming and all that but yeah whatever it's the same thing yeah. um yeah i, I plus prefer... a book is a hell of a lot cheaper than a kindle well uh, yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> i i do like the note-taking abilities on electronic editions. I like that it's more organized, right? And you know, I can color code it a little more easily. Uh, but like I said, I do differ from you in the physical copies. I do prefer reading a physical copy. In fact, when you started reading Elantris uh, back in like what was it, 1983, <laughs> uh, something like that. When you started reading it, I picked it up as well, and I was like, "Oh, Kyle's doing a read. I'll, I'll do a reread," and I read through some of my kindle edition and then i said you know i wonder i wonder what would happen if i pulled down that 10th anniversary leather bound edition uh that i haven't actually read right. out of yet and uh believe it or not it made a huge difference it it really was just a more enjoyable experience mm -hmm. and a more immersive one especially those those dragon steel editions that the sanderson right. team puts out they are primo mm -hmm. well-bound books 
anyway, and so there is that, but the way that I differ with you in, in these books is if you look at that copy of Elantris behind you, I read two thirds of the book right. out of that copy and that copy looks exactly the same. Yeah. And well, even and my paperbacks, nice le- yeah. even my $8 paperbacks, it, if you, you look at, um, let's see, what do we have over here? Some of my Shannara books. Uh, there's the Scott Lynch books, the Lies of Locke Lamora, right. um, the David Eddings books up there. Uh, I read all of these on paper, at, at least in large part, and uh, they all look exactly the same as when I bought them. Right. So it's and, just one I mean, of those ways where seen... I take care of my books. I want them to yep. last a long, long time. Yep. You And you remember when we were doing our Wheel of Time series, yep. and I would bring in my you know, big the copy that's falling apart. Call, copy that, yeah, it's basically like my path of daggers copy is literally falling apart. And you know, that's just because this, I've read it that many times. Yep. And, and, uh, and I, I do try to take care of them. Uh, the, the damage that is done to them is not because they're, you <laughs> know, tossed they're in a box, yeah, tossed in a box somewhere or whatever, but it's just because I, I, comb through them i read through them um i love them hard (laughs) wow wow okay all right i feel like we've been going for a little while it's 34 minutes or so into this do we dare take on another topic or do we call it there you want to spin let's do one more all right we're gonna spin one more here you go kyle give it a, a real spin go uh okay number eight maybe maybe that's right (laughs) How to push your borders and find material outside your own cultural norms. I feel like we kind of already talked about this. We did a little bit, I think. Should we spin again? Yeah. That was another Kiptan one. Kiptan, you already had one, so uh, so we're not doing that. Uh, okay, number five. Number five. Death of the author. Oh, boy. Oh, jeez. Huron fan. You had to... It's it's Huron. 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 Uh, <laughs> uh, Death of the author... Could mean a couple of things, yeah. yeah especially I mean, in the context of fantasy, fantasy literature. Authors. Oh man! So let's let's tackle the one that it doesn't actually mean first. The and obvious one, and that's authors dying. Authors dying before they finish their series. <laughs> Why is that's my least favorite fantasy trope? <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, so that's not what that means. It's not what that it means. It doesn't actually mean authors dying before they finish the series, or but it is, but it is a real issue. It really I mean, is. Obviously, this happened with Robert Jordan, and mm-hmm. that's the most high-profile uh, case of this happening that I can think of off the right. top of my head. Um, but major every- concerns for George Martin, Martin, and and minor and, concerns for Sanderson and Rothfuss and Rothfuss. Um, not because Sanderson and Rothfuss are old men. Martin is an old man, and he doesn't look like the healthiest man. I, I'm not his doctor, so I don't know for sure, but he doesn't look super duper healthy um anyway so yeah he's an old man he could go who knows um but in the case of rothfuss and sanderson especially sanderson um, it's the scope where of these it's, things man. Yeah, exactly that's why with rothfuss i would have been a lot less worried about it 10 years ago when we started waiting for book three um <laughs> or however long i don't know what eight years ago um but now at this point it's like oh yeah he's yeah 
there, there's a good chance that he won't finish it in the next 40 years. Right. With Sanderson, it's uh, look, he's 10, about 10 years older than we are. He's in his early 40s. He's got a lot of life ahead of him, presumably. Uh, but he's also got a whole lot of story in front of him that he right. needs to get through. And I, I wonder if he thinks about this. I wonder, th- this kind of begs a question of, uh, Does it beg a question or raise a question? Begs it. No, it doesn't. It begs that's the question. A, that's not a. That's it not. begs the question. Uh, it okay. begs it. Everyone, please go Google "beg the question" and stop using it incorrectly. You too, Kyle. Begs the question. Okay. Colloquialism. Uh, uh it raises the question, Craig. <laughs> of should you know? Should it be something that you release? Like this is going to be a ten book series like right do you need to really tell people the scope of your story i mean i i guess partly you want to inform your editor like hey guys this is the plan right uh but yeah i think it, it kind of sets up these expectations and and I've, i haven't read stormlight so whatever but let's say he decides actually i'm going to wrap stormlight up in five books instead of ten what does that do yeah. Is it a problem? Probably not, but is it? But because do you feel cheated now if I say you get five Stormlight books instead of the ten that you were promised? Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I tend to take a pretty permissive view on this sort of thing. Right. Where it's like, nah, it's your it's your series. Do whatever sure. you want. I've I've really come around on that. I didn't used to think this way, but after right uh, after reading Rothfuss and researching that whole topic, I've mm-hmm. kind of so that's that's the other question. Like, what if Sanderson decides? You know what? I'm done with Stormlight. I'm just I I just don't feel it anymore. I'm not finishing it. <laughs> now what happens? That would be a little bit different. A little bit different. Yeah. But also to the point of like, I've said I'm going to do this thing. Right. Scoped it out for this long. But you know, and, on the uh-huh. other hand, on the other hand, it keeps the authors accountable. Right. And so if he says I'm going to give you ten books and then it's going to be done. Mm-hmm. You don't run into a Robert Jordan situation where it's like, hey, I'm going to write a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the publisher orders a trilogy and then he writes a trilogy and they're like, eh, could you read? Could you write some more? And he's like, totally. Sure. Yeah, I can write as many of these as you want. You know, <laughs> so he just keeps on writing and writing and mm-hmm. writing. Uh, and there was wasn't the same kind of accountability there, maybe a little bit more toward the end of his life. Right. But as the series was in the in in the throes of being written, you know, in the middle of the series. Right. He didn't have anybody kind of over his shoulder saying, Oh, really? You're, you've only got two more books to wrap this up. Come on, man. Yeah. Anyway, what are you looking up? Uh, just going back to our original question of death of the author. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's, that's the fantasy author part of it, but that's not really what this is about. So, right. What is the death of the author, Kyle? So the idea is a concept from the mid 20th century. Uh, basically, it's the idea that should the intentions of the author, like the ideas and intentions of the author and his original story, hold weight um, in determining the interpretation of their writing or their story. Yes. So, Thank you for listening to The Legendarium. This has been a great episode. <laughs> it's done. Yes, it should. <laughs> uh, that's an interesting question for me, though, because I think I'm a big poetry fan. Yeah. And poetry is one of those things where there's an intent and sometimes that intent is very different from the experience that you get as a reader. Sure, sure. In fact, it can be polar opposite. 
Right. And you the way that you read something. Uh, I mean, how many people do you see out there that have these quotes, whether it's from some you know, historical figure or what that's, that's kind of misplaced. Yeah. Like this person like, said this really profound don't thing. Don't tase me, bro. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln. And, or not even, that, <laughs> not even that, but like attaching something super profound that somebody said to your ideal now. And it's actually the polar opposite of what that person meant. So like, Oh yeah. Well, there's, it's not a polar opposite thing, but sometimes uh, a quote can change meanings. Like, Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about this on the on the cast before. Uh, Byron said, uh, "Power corrupts. Uh, power tends to corrupt. Absolute power corrupts absolutely." When in fact, what he was talking about was as much it was as much the people surrounding the powerful and the the people being ruled by the powerful versus the actual powerful person himself. Right. And so, you know. Gosh, we we'd be skirting dangerously close to contemporary political issues, but it's a real thing. Where, um, and and I will play my both sides card here. That's I, fine. I, I'm just doing it. Yeah. Where you look at quote unquote great people and the excuses that we all make for them when, or or the, the blame that we all rush to place on them for certain things, where it's like. It has that the tribal effect that's going on in the world is a corruption of people by somebody else having acquired power. You know, right. that, where that quote that what Lord Byron meant, it has morphed into now people just say like, oh, well, if you uh, if you get a lot of power, it's going to corrupt you. Right. That's not really what he was talking about. Right. Anyway, so I think that's what you what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with the idea of death of the uh, death of the author, I think my, my opinion of that is yes, it, you know, the original intention should hold weight. You can decide how much weight you want to give that. Um, but you absolutely, I think, owe it to yourself as a reader and to the author who wrote the work to understand what the original intent was. Right. So uncover what that is. Then you can decide from there if you have a different interpretation of it, if it can mean something different to you, you can bring all sorts of feelings and experiences and ideas to a work mm-hmm. and it can become something new and it can become something unique with your combination of experience and whatever you're interpreting the writer's story as, or even whatever their intent was that can create something new in and of itself. But Absolutely, to your to your point earlier. Yes, the intentions matter. You should do the work to under to uncover what the original intent was. Right, and there can be. There was a question that uh, Megan and I discussed last week about how how you know is there an objective way to know if a piece of literature has been successful or is good versus is bad, and there's something to the idea of how how well the author communicates their intent. Yeah. Um, there's a grammatical concept. I don't, I don't know if it's grammatical. It's not grammatical. It's um, it's a linguistic concept of uh, sentence meaning versus speaker meaning. Mm-hmm. And so it's the idea of if you just get a transcript of someone saying, uh, hey, Kyle, you piece of garbage. 
<laughs> I hate you so much. Okay, those words mean something. Right. But if I say them like this, hey, Kyle, you piece of garbage, I hate you so much. Like that means something else. Yep. Means it. So the speaker meaning is not necessarily the same as the sentence meaning. And so does the author convey correctly or are, convey, convey in a way that is consumable the actual meaning that they are trying to convey? Anyway, so there's... So you can't... If I say something, if I say, Kyle, you piece of garbage, and you get that transcript and... You say no, that you know, death of the author holds, and it doesn't matter what he meant. This is what he said. Mm -hmm. This yeah. is what he said. You know, then using that death of an argument thing, you could just say no. I'm jettisoning the author's intent, and uh, and deciding that uh, this is how I'm going to take it, and this is this is how misinterpretations come about, and uh, it's mis why you can't. It's why you can't text your wife something yeah <laughs> sarcastic or whatever exactly um but i mean on a, on a bigger level i think it works for literature too yeah. and that being said i 100 percent agree with the idea that we all bring something it is a conversation mm -hmm. just like you know in, with the idea of speaker meaning you can't you can't say whatever you want and just assume that everyone else has to figure out what you meant Right. right. There, there's a give and take there. You have to understand that somebody else is going to hear that or read it uh, and they're going to interpret it a certain way. And so it's incumbent upon us as speakers to say something in a way that that you can be reasonably sure will be received the way you meant it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that's when, when somebody on Twitter says something that is construed as racist <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe they didn't mean to be racist, but everybody's like, well, right, but here's what that sounds like. And, you know, oh, oh crap, I, mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. I didn't say that the right way or something. Um, anyway, so yeah, it, does that make sense? Like, makes perfect sense. I think even, even with a book, yeah, it's a conversation in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it, it really is the both sides card, like you said, but like, I think I just reiterate, you owe it to yourself as a reader and probably to the to the author who who decided to take the time, put pen to paper, and hammer all this out to uncover the original intent. And what you decide to do with that is up to you. You can create something new out of it after the fact, but you absolutely should figure that out first. All right. Well, you know, we didn't disagree on enough today. I feel like this, uh, was, this was a riot of agreement. Right. It today. really was but whatever we, we disagreed on audiobook no we disagreed on on how, on to, how treat to treat a, book. a paperback how to treat a paperback <laughs> rough it up all right Trebek. well <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> let's end on a low note everybody that's true legendary fashion <laughs> exactly um okay so one thing i want to ask people is if you've made it this far in the episode then you're interested in these sorts of things and so i'm going to ask you what you think we should call these because the fantasy wheel is a pretty lame name uh but i i don't have the brain power right now or the time to come up with anything else and so if you if you can think of anything else something clever something fun something that's actually descriptive uh then i will consider it but for now this was uh, our second fantasy wheel episode we got rid of the timers so we can't do wheel of timers i know that would be a lot of fun <laughs> One of the one day I'm gonna 
construct our wheel so that it will click as it goes so mm-hmm. that people will actually know that we are in fact spinning actually the wheel. Actually spinning the wheel. Yeah. Um, all right. So give us a good name. Hit us up on Discord. Go to Reddit, uh, thelegendarium.reddit.com. Go to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show. Thank you so, so much to our patrons who are there. Uh, we much appreciate you. And uh, we will see everybody, or we'll talk to you, I guess, on Monday when we're going to be doing another Lightbringer episode, I believe. I need to actually check in with Ryan on that and get that scheduled. But we'll see you then. Thanks, everybody. Okay. Checking, checking. So those jets are very loud. It's the sound of freedom, baby. Something like that. No, the sound of freedom <laughs> goes like this. Yes, it does. Hand over your heart, please. <laughs> Even when you're just humming it. <laughs> no, that's danger zone. True. That's like that's like America the Beautiful. Yeah. Where it's not it's not actually the national it's, anthem. It's just like a national hymn. Right, there you go. Yeah. It's uh, it's the lesser, it's the B celebrity before the football game that gets to sing that one. <laughs> and then the A celebrity gets to sing the national anthem.